Damn, son, where'd you find this? You are now tuning into Bros Let's Talk. Alright, hello everybody and welcome to the debut episode of Bros Let's Talk, or BLT, the podcast where guys come to be dudes. I'm here with Jimmy and Andy, and we thank you for tuning in today. Just a brief intro on what to expect from this podcast. We're three guys who've known each other for 20 plus years and we decided to take our conversations public. Uh, We like to think of it as typical bar conversation you'd have while cracking a cold one with the boys on a Saturday. We're gonna we're gonna talk a lot of sports because we love sports, but we're not gonna limit it to that. We all have interests outside of sports, and we plan on bringing it all to the table. So this is something that we've been doing, talking about doing for about a year or so, and we're really excited to hit the ground running. Uh, we hope you'll give us a chance, and I think we'll like what you hear if you do. So we're gonna give a brief intro to ourselves, along with a few fun facts, and then uh, we'll get right into it with our signature segment, shooting the shit. Jimmy, I'm going to send it over to you first, give your brief intro, and uh, say hello to everyone. Uh, Hello, everyone. My name is Jimmy. I am Pat's brother. I'm the uh, wily veteran of the crew, currently broadcasting from my dungeon of a basement with my wife and two kids running around upstairs trying to keep the noise at a minimum. Uh, Andy, why don't you take it from there? I am Andy Pedersen. I am best friend of Pat Riley and adopted family member of the Riley crew. Uh, I've known Jimmy for just about as long as I've known Pat. Um, I'm a very poor degenerate gambler, love to golf, and love my sports. So, All right, and that leaves me, I guess. Uh, my name is Pat Riley as well. Um I have been to the emergency room nine times in my life, um, three times in the past year. Um, so some people might call me injury prone, but I like to consider myself living dangerously. Uh, nice. I was born on Super Bowl Sunday, 1990, when the 49ers beat the Broncos. I think it was like 55 to 10, uh, but I was born a true bro. Because I waited until after the game was over, eleven seventeen. I just squeaked out of there right before midnight, so my dad got to watch the game. Um, I, me and my wife Alyssa are, um, we're those weird dog people that like take pictures of our dog and like show them to everyone. And it's like every time we're out somewhere, we just like look at each other across the room, like when something reminds us of our dog. So, um, yeah. That's who I am. That's who we are. We hope that you guys will jump on this journey with us. Um, So we're going to jump right into it with, like I said, our signature segment, which is shooting the shit. My bad. I'm going real slow here. My computer starts to freak out right when we start our podcast, of course. So. Awesome. If you guys would have heard the debauchery going on before we actually yeah. started, you we're gonna leave this. In, we're gonna yeah. This. We're gonna leave this in here too because um, we had like the most hilarious technical difficulties going on. We tr- this is our fourth attempt at launching the start of this podcast. So 
Uh, I'm not really going to... about 10 minutes of bloopers yeah, just I'm, for I'm, getting started before we even hit the record button. You know, the but. stress is gone because we already, you know, started. We set the bar low, and we're just going to keep rising from here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to jump right into it, though. So, a um, lot going on in the NBA. You know, as, as most of you know, it's been about nine days now, I think. The Warriors won their second title in three years uh, after, obviously, losing to Cleveland last year in a seven-game heartbreaker. Uh, they added LeBron James, or Kevin Durant, my bad. Um, they added Kevin Durant, and, uh, you know, obviously you saw the final product. They beat the Cavs in five. It wasn't really that close. Um, but now you're seeing, with all the stuff that's happening in the NBA today, um, how their league is reacting to this super team that has been built in Golden State. There's been uh, two trades today, Dwight Howard. Uh, went to the, the Hornets, you said, Jimmy, right? He went to the Hornets, yes. I okay. can't wait till MJ beats him down in practice, <laughs> both mentally and physically. <laughs> right. More interestingly, though, I think um, you had earlier the Lakers sending D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov to the Nets for the 27th pick, I believe. Yes. Um, and that frees up a lot of cap space with Mozgov getting off the books. They're obviously and they got Lopez in return. That's true, Burke Lopez, which is you know he's a great offensive center, probably one of the best in the game. Um, and uh, they obviously have been linked to Paul George in you know the last weeks, and Paul George is rumored to um, want to play in LA, his preferred destination. So, what do you guys? I mean, obviously this is how the league has to react, but. Do you guys even think, you know, these combinations that are being put together and they say the Lakers, too, are going to try and make a run at LeBron in 2018? I mean, do you think there's really a a combination that can get put together that can even compete with Golden State the way they played? So so my whole theory on this is that the way that Golden State kind of sprouted up is they, they sort of did it the right way. They drafted well. They ended up hitting gold with Steph Curry. And then they won a championship pretty naturally as far as a team just rising from the bottom, building a team up, grabbing a few key key free agents like Iguodala. And then obviously this one with Durant was they had to they kinda wanted to answer Cleveland uh, from last year, but I I find it hard to believe that teams are just gonna go out, piece together three huge free agents, and then just be able to go in there um automatically it's kind of what the heat did a few years ago um but i i think the way to do it is sort of what golden state did draft well and then add the pieces after that to fill in that's just me but i mean all these teams are going to try and counter the Cavs, the golden state and because they need they want to do it now they don't want to wait three years from the the problem is though i don't think there's that many superstars to do that I mean, well, so Andy, like you said, you you have to draft well. Then you add pieces later. I mean, look now, they have Clay Thompson, they have Steph Curry, they have Draymond Green. All three of those guys are awesome. So they, yeah. they drafted them, and they turned out to be great. So they kind of got lucky in that they turned out great. But I think every team gets lucky. To See win that a championship. You have that's to have a lot the of thing, though. Go your way to win a championship. I'm not sure it's as much luck as as it is good drafting. I mean, you saw Jerry West really came in and turned that team around when they put him in the position that they did. You know, he's been in charge of basketball operations for a couple of years there, pretty much since they picked Steph Curry. And 
the way I look at it too is, you know, you see the rumors floating around there today. You know, the Cavs are going hard after Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler wants to go to the Cavs. The Cavs are going after Paul George, which, you know, obviously after losing the finals four to one with the team that they have, you have to make a knee jerk reaction to try and come back at the Warriors next year. But I look at it, does Jimmy Butler or Paul George put the Cavs over the Warriors next year? I don't think so. I mean, I honestly look at it, and it's an impossible scenario that's never going to happen. But the only player uh, I think that would really get added into the mix and instantly put them right up there, if not above Golden State, would be someone like Anthony Davis because he's young, he's athletic. He could probably you know, guard Durant a little bit if you had to. Um, and it's just a versatile big man that makes it hard to play small when you got someone athletic who's long like him out there. Well, it's just insanity that Golden State was as good as they were without Kevin Durant, and then you go and add probably the second best player in the league, to, and he's already committed that he's coming back next year. So you've got essentially the exact same team. They're talking about maybe losing Iguodala. They're um, saying he might want to come to the Bulls. Oh. How would you I love don't know that? Why the, anyone the, would want to do that? The three alphas <laughs> plus Iggy, Great. younger, younger and more Another athletic, wily right? Veteran to add to the roster. Younger, athletic. But I, I just don't know. I don't know what piece they could add. I like the Anthony Davis because he's. I mean, he's kind of unguardable from Golden State standpoint. Uh, I know Draymond can kind of guard any position on the court but anthony davis probably he's not has guarding four anthony or five davis. inches on right. him exactly well i just think too so like I, I said when they you know it's it puts them in a position where they go when when golden state goes small like they do a lot of times you don't have to take your your center out because he can move mm-hmm. with those guys but obviously that's just a pipe dream but you right, look yeah, at they're not getting anthony davis either right you look at what right, the yeah. nba is turning into though it's like um it's crazy. You know, I, I was listening to the score earlier and they had Joe Cowley, who's a reporter for the Sun Times, I think. He's a beat reporter for the Bulls. And he was reporting the stuff about Jimmy Butler and it ranged as far as uh, Jimmy Butler's pushing his way towards the Cavs to, if somehow that doesn't work, Kyrie Irving might be interested in coming to the Bulls if LeBron leaves to go to the Lakers. I mean, it literally, look at that wide range of possibilities. It's like. Either Jimmy's going to push his way out to go to a you know in conference rival, or Kyrie's going to come here from Cleveland. It's just it's insane. It's like I AAU mean, almost. First of all, nobody yeah. wants to come to the Bulls. I don't even know why they're <laughs> pretending. Nobody wants to come to the Bulls. They are they are so dysfunctional. They have a coach who's in way over his head. So you're right, Pat. Those rumors are outlandish and i think that's just the times we're in right now especially with social media people are are leaking things on purpose they're leaking rumors on purpose so i i think it's more of to keep everyone interested in in the nba i mean because look look what we're doing we're, we're talking about jimmy butler maybe going to cleveland or jimmy butler maybe wanting to stay with the bulls you don't know but it's it's keeping people interested in the nba right before the draft it's good on their part, but you, it's you have to you have to sift through the BS. Yeah, I mean, I I read probably twelve to fifteen different trade rumors today, and the Bulls were involved in nine of right. them. So, right. I mean, it's like you said, Jimmy. There's there's a bunch of crap out there. See, and you got to filter through. And honestly, though, the the one that keeps getting brought up a lot, and I think there is probably a lot of truth to it, is the fact that. LeBron might want to go to the Lakers in two years because 
He is, let's be honest, LeBron is still the best player in basketball right now, still, but he's tran—he's transitioning towards the back end of his career. And he's still going to be a dominant player in that stretch. But, you know, you look, the Lakers, now that they traded Russell, they're almost assuredly going to draft Lonzo Ball, you would think. Oh, yeah. Maybe De'Aaron Fox, but it seems like they're Wolf enamored with Ball. said that uh, Lonzo Ball is coming. Right. And then, and if you know. says it, it's gospel. Paul George wants to go there. They just got Brooke Lopez now. You bring LeBron in. He's got a wing player who's a scorer and defender in Paul George. You got a point guard who's a true facilitator, true point guard who doesn't isn't, you know, gonna be selfish with the ball and try and score. And then you got a true post center who can play offense. I mean, I think all of a sudden that's a really attractive situation if the Cavs lose again to the Warriors next year in the finals, you know. Then yeah, you argue he has to go out west and then go through the Warriors, but all of a sudden you put together a pretty, pretty good looking roster. Um, Agreed. You know, so it's something to keep an eye out for. Obviously, you know, it's all speculation, and this is something that's a year, you know, full year out down the road. But it's just, um, it's almost more exciting talking about the NBA outside of the season because you just pretty much know it's inevitability. It's going to be the Cavs and the Warriors in the finals. I mean, right and. And right now we're so, I mean, we're right in the heart of all these trade rumors and everything. I mean, the draft being on Thursday, there's a lot of potential shit that could go down in the next two days. Right, I mean, is. we had that big trade this morning. We had just as we were setting up, we had the Dwight Howard trade. Yep. And there's still so many moving parts and rumors that are going around. All that stuff could still happen between now and Thursday. So There's almost only one thing assuredly that will happen come Friday, though. Jimmy Butler will still be a member of the Bulls, and oh, the Bulls dude, will, know. and Garpax will just talk about how they're doing their due diligence. I mean, how many times can you tell a guy you're just doing your due diligence, and before that, he just like starts to, you know, I don't know how he even has any confidence in that front office. That relationship has to just be gone. Seriously, I mean, this is the third time in a calendar year we've heard Jimmy Butler is getting moved. Yeah. So, well, how, how do you feel if you're him? I mean, there's there's clearly very little trust in the front office. There's no stability there. The head coach is hateable. It's it's a nightmare situation for for fans, for players that are there. I just I don't know. It's a mess. It is. Well, we'll see. Like you said, the draft's coming up, so you know next week's episode we'll be able to report back on what actually did happen and and what actually went through. Um. You know, like you said, this is the time of year where everything kind of pops up like that, but we'll see what actually happens. Yeah. Right. All right. Off of the uh, NBA talk for a little bit, I'm sure some other things will pop up as we go. But going back to another championship run, uh, we had the Pittsburgh Penguins just about uh, two weeks ago wrap up their third Stanley Cup in eight years. Yep. Um, Second in a row. Sidney Crosby. Yeah, second in a row, back to back. Sidney Crosby wrapping up his second Conn Smythe. Um, he's in the finals for MVP voting. It's been pretty dream year for them. It's pretty. I mean, going back to the Hawks, they weren't ever able to uh, go back to back, but seemingly Pittsburgh did all they could. They had a pretty pretty tough road through the playoffs and everything like that, but they did sort of the unthinkable with this salary cap era, and they went back-to-back. And it was pretty impressive while they did it. Yeah, I mean, didn't they have two Game 7s on the way to the Stanley Cup, I think, against yeah, Washington and Ottawa back-to-back? They did, Washington yeah. and Ottawa. I mean, yeah. you just look at that 
team top to bottom, you know, obviously you, you mentioned they won three Stanley Cups in the last decade, but the, the last one was 2008 or 2009, I think, was when they won. And then they went, you know, a good seven, eight years between winning. But they kind of did what I think the Hawks are in going to be transitioning into is they keep their core guys intact and they retool. Um, but they did a really good job. You know, when you bring in – Someone like Phil Kessel, who, you know, at his best can be a top forward in the NHL. I mean, that's that's a pretty good job retooling and bringing someone in who, you know, obviously has made a huge difference in their last two cup runs. They've got Crosby, who's a perennial MVP candidate, top five player all time now, probably you could argue. Um, and, and Malkin. He's no Taves, but he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, he's, I mean, I would like to agree with you there. And that's, you know, my stance was there for a long time. But, um, you know, just the way the Hawks have kind of shrunk the last two years in the first round. And, you know, it's, it, we're, we're in a tough spot right now as a fan. You know, it, it feels a little desperate the way that they went out this year. Dude, I am, I yeah, am it, totally being a, a homer on this one because two years ago, Tays had a three to one edge in terms of Stanley Cups, and then two years later they're tied, and Sid just he's just dominant. He's he's dominant. Well, and this on. year, I mean, he leads the league in goals. I think he missed like you know six to ten games somewhere in that range, so he didn't even play the full schedule. Still, just you know sniping bar down with the Ched and you know just getting it done. Yeah, he's. I mean, he he's so noticeable out on the ice. Um, whether it's controlling the puck, fighting off guys along the boards, um, he he's the most well-rounded player in the NHL. Agreed. And for that re- for that reason, Pat, like you said, he is vaulted into probably a top five player of all time. And then, I mean, even you kind of you kind of forget about Phil Kessel and Evgeny Malkin, and I mean, Mark Andre Fleury was one of the top goaltenders in the league a few years ago, he ends up taking Matt Murray's place who won them a Stanley cup last year, takes over the starting job, then loses it back to Matt Murray. The fact that you have two goalies that can go out there and win, essentially win you a Stanley cup together, right? Right. Just top to bottom. That team, that team was very, very impressive. And like, and that's why undoubtedly flurry is going to be net mining for the, the uh, Vegas Knights next year, you know, Knights. right? Because you know he's available. He he proved his worth this year after, like you said, losing his job, and then uh, you know fighting back to get in the net for a team that just won a Stanley Cup. I mean, um, but obviously, you know, hockey, uh, it, it's not one of the big sports of the major four. I guess it doesn't have the most attention. So when we relate all this stuff, we relate it to the Blackhawks because we're all fans. Um, yes. You know, obviously we got swept out of the first round by Nashville, who lost to the eventual champion Penguins. And, you know, Nashville is a really good team this year, and, you know, they proved themselves with that playoff run. But where does that leave the Hawks, you know, to pick up the pieces after finishing with the top record in the West and then getting swept by the eighth seed first round? I think – so- go ahead, Andy. It sort of feels like at the end of uh... – at the end of 2013, when they came back, um, when they came back that next year and then got bounced in the Western Conference Finals, it was kind of a big question mark of what were they going to do, and their team was still very good. And obviously, they went on to win in 2015, but there were a lot of question marks with that team going into 2015. And now it's sort of a new set of question marks to where okay, their their mini rebuild over the last two years 
didn't really work out. Um, I personally, I mean, watching that team going throughout the year, obviously they grinded out wins and they ended up with the best record in the West. I never looked at that team top to bottom and was like, this is a 2013 or a 2015 to where I felt confident that they would cruise through the West. I for sure didn't think that they were going to get swept in the first round or even lose in the first round or anything like that. But it, they're younger guys. They produced, but not to the level of like a when a Brandon Saad came out of nowhere or Andrew Shaw started producing for them those guys just don't seem like staple names that they could supplant themselves in that roster going forward so it's going to be really interesting this week because tomorrow uh vegas announces who they're actually taking from the teams uh there's been that rumor out there about the trade for uh tvr going out there in exchange for them taking kruger in the draft um with that i mean they they free up quite a bit of cap space, and the salary cap was just announced to be $75 million, which is a lot higher than it has been uh, the last few years. So they are, I think they're the only team right now I saw that are above the cap right now. But that bump up to 75 will definitely help them. And Stan, Stan Bowman, I mean, the guy's a magician when it comes to the cap. He always seems to figure out how to manipulate it and get his guys in there that he wants, make a few trades to free up some cap room. So they'll definitely be, they'll get in under the cap. The roster's going to look a little bit different, but, you know, there's also been that rumor floating around that there's supposed to be a core piece of the Hawks franchise that's supposed (laughs) to be on the move. So that's going to be another huge cap. No matter who it is, it's going to be a huge cap relief. Well, one thing I thought was interesting in regard to the trade rumors was you hear that and then almost everyone's mind first goes to Brent Seabrook just because his play looks like it's diminished a little bit the last couple years. And, you know, his leadership, you know, he brings a lot of leadership to the team. And uh, Pierre LeBrun came out and said that there's no chance that Seabrook's going to get moved this offseason, that the Hawks value his yeah, leadership too. too much. So the the report that was coming out with that it was going to be Nicholas Jalmerson, they were potentially talking to the Canadians for Alex Chuck. So, I mean. Saw that one. It's a, you know, yeah. there's a lot of opportunities out there, but, um, you know, I think you just got to feel confident. Um, in the core that we have. And like you said, Stan Bowman, you know, we've always trusted him. There's no no reason to kind of turn our back on him now. Yeah, I mean, look what happened after we won the first cup. Bufflin was gone, Versteeg was gone. Everyone was all upset and in the tizzy. And then we come back a few years later and win it again. And then two years after that, we do it again. So I, I think I've kind of learned as a sports fan, as I've gotten older, to not fall in love so much with the guys in the team as the team itself and obviously you're, you're attached to certain players, but if you're not as attached as you were like when you were younger, right. it kind of it makes a little bit more sense and you understand and you don't take it so personal. So well, I'm, it's just, you know, even if, it's like we said, top down. You know, it's like Bowman, Quinville, Taze, McDonough. Kane, Keith, that guy. McDonough, yeah. I mean, Seabrook. Even though he's older now, he's still valuable. I mean, all these guys, we know what they bring to the table. Um and you know these first round exits, they suck. But you gotta try and look at it the positive. They get a little extra time to rest. And Andy, what you were saying too, you know, I think some of the players shared the same sentiments. I remember Kane said something like, you know, they had won a couple games late in the year. I think he was referring to one win against the Penguins. A couple other good teams, you know, 
he said that like we beat a couple good teams. I think we thought we were better than we were. Um, yeah. You know, so it's just kind of one of those weird years where like a team kind of rises to the top of the West like that, and then because they had like a thirteen game winning streak this year, they had like a, right. a separate seven game winning streak, so they just were kind of. But it's right; they never had that dominant feel like they did in twenty thirteen or especially twenty fifteen. And during that win streak and everything like that, it was guys like it was guys like Rasmussen and. Uh, just the the lesser known guys that were going out there and scoring the game winning goals, which is great, which is what you want to see when you're trying to you know plug in some pieces around your core guys. But it was kind of a weird year. I mean, Kane obviously got his points, Panarin got his points, but it's still. I mean, last year I remember how dominant that second line was, and they could go out there against any single line in the entire league and go get you a goal, and it. It didn't feel like that, even though they did kind of, they did accumulate their points and everything like that. But it just didn't feel like the same dominance, like you said. I agree. That's I mean, honestly, that was the worst of their playoffs losses that we've experienced. Obviously, getting swept is For terrible. Sure. But when you're the one For seed, sure. you score over 100 points, you get swept, you score four goals and or three goals in four right. games. I mean, it's there's really no way around that. Yeah, and, and Nashville. I mean, that's just like knock, straight up sucking. Knock on that's Nashville just like either. being terrible. So I mean, that was right, just it yeah. was hard they, hard to accept. They didn't play up to their potential. Nashville came out and played their ass off, and clearly showed that they belonged with the elite in the NHL. Um, that team's going to be good for a couple of years now. Hey, and I mean, especially seeing that NHL that seventeen everything. predicted them to win yeah. in their season and playoff simulation. So that's pretty much like yeah. that's making it. So no, not. No knock on Nashville for it, but the Hawks, I mean, they didn't come out and play their best, but right. next year's a new year. We're going to see a different team, probably some new faces, some familiar ones gone, and just gear up and have faith in the organization as a whole, top to bottom, like you said. Yeah, it's, uh, we'll be, let's see, when does this start? April, so we'll, we'll pretty much be just trying to get through the regular season. And get back to the playoffs and see what we can do, which we're kind of spoiled as Hawks fans because right, yeah, you we know we're going to the playoffs every year. It it is a spo- it's a spoiled fan base. That's, I mean, it's it's come to be great because you just expect to be there. I mean, you go out, you watch a couple regular season games, uh, but then you're inevitably just waiting for that playoff time where every game matters more than the the next and. It, I don't think they're leaving the playoffs anytime soon, but it it's going to be a different team, like I said. Yeah, it 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 doesn't feel great. And and speaking of not feeling great, that maybe how Conor McGregor's feeling come August twenty sixth. Um, I don't know if you guys heard, but the fight is actually happening after all the talk and hoopla and uproar. Um, I I am I'm excited to see the two of them fight just because because they've been talking about it for so long. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be a very good fight. I think that McGregor has three rounds where he just has to go all out and try and knock the shit out of Floyd. And if he doesn't, there's no way he's going to win that fight after the third round. Yes, he's an MMA fighter. Yes, he's got, I'm sure, great cardio, and, and he knows how to box. He's going to learn how to box, but... Say what you want about Floyd. He's one of the best to ever do it. The guy just doesn't get hit. He doesn't. And 
He doesn't get hit from professional boxers. So I'm not sure what McGregor thinks he's going to be able to do. Um, if he catches him with the left early, you know, who knows what can happen. He's got that kind of unorthodox stance to him and, and way about him. Um, so for that aspect, I'm excited. But, I mean, if, if he doesn't knock him out after three, I don't, I don't see how he's going to do it. Floyd's just going to sit there and dodge every punch he throws at him. Um, I will say, and, and I don't know much about boxing, so Floyd not fighting for 23, 24 months, being 40 years old, I don't know how that's going to affect him. But I still... I mean, that's I pretty much at this point, that's the only is, chance that McGregor has, is if right, Floyd, for some, somehow... Right well, and you talked about maybe he'll catch him with a left jab, and you know, I know Connor's a really good MMA fighter, and he's a really smart fighter, but... Yeah. You look at a lot of his his jab knockouts. He baits a lot of those guys into those punches. You know, they're all counter not, punches. It's like the step back jab. Fight. Well, Floyd doesn't punch. Have you guys ever right. watched a Floyd Mayweather fight? It's like the most boring thing in the world. Because the mean, guy I'm, doesn't get hit. I'm not going to knock the guy. He's rich as hell and he's mastered his craft. But it's not an exciting fight. And the only right. thing that's going to be exciting about this fight is the trash talk leading up to the fight because these oh, are probably that's gonna be two amazing. of the two of the best guys to ever do it on the mic. And it would be, honestly, my best case scenario is somehow McGregor lands a shot and knocks Mayweather out. That would make me happier than anything in the world because I just do not like Floyd Mayweather that much. But I just am also realistic in knowing that, you know, Floyd Mayweather is not going to go his whole career beating professional boxers to the tune of 49-0 and and then losing Lose to an MMA, MMA fighter, fighter who's been training boxing for 18 months. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's not realistic. Right. And that's the thing is that Floyd Floyd only picks fights that he knows a hundred you think you think he's, he's gonna, gonna risk going 49 and one instead of exactly. 50 and0 no he wants to make 150 million dollars McGregor's like fuck it I'm gonna get in the ring you know try and knock Floyd out if I don't I'm walking away with a hundred million dollars and a lot more respect from a lot of people because I stepped out of my comfort zone into his craft and took him head on the best boxer. You know, some people consider him the best of all time. I wouldn't because he's so small and and his fighting style. But you know, you can't argue with his numbers. He's undefeated. Yeah, and he, it's it's so it's such a weird situation because both a lot of I mean a lot of people are Floyd Mayweather guys or they're Conor McGregor guys. You can't argue that the two are probably the most hated people in their craft. I mean, people love Conor McGregor trash talk. People love Mayweather trash talk. But the majority of people are going to be like, those guys are assholes. I just want to see him get lit the hell up. And now, a guy like Conor McGregor, all the shit talk and everything like that, he's he's kind of the most loved person in this well, whole scenario. I was going to say. People hate Mayweather a million times more I, than they do McGregor. I agree that like a lot of people hate Mayweather. I would agree with that. But with McGregor, I feel like he's more of like a polarizing figure because um, you know, he does say a lot of things that make you think he's like a cocky bastard, you know, and be like, This asshole needs to get knocked out. But you really look in mm-hmm. you look into his story and where he's come from. Oh, I, I and, couldn't agree more. Well, with same that. with Floyd too, I'm sure, but Floyd has all the issues with domestic violence, which kind of puts an asterisk next to anyone in my book. But um, you know, with McGregor, it, it's just like, you know, the guy has vaulted himself to this position where he's able to cash in on this huge opportunity and he, and he's taking it head on. You know what I mean? I'll give the guy credit. There's, 
You know, he's he's willing to step out of his comfort zone and get into the ring and cash in the biggest check that he'll ever see in his life. And the craziest thing that I've seen this entire time is right when that fight got announced, Vegas immediately put out a line on it. And I think one of you two told me that they came out and it was Floyd was minus a thousand. Yeah. And McGregor was plus 650 or something like that. The money is all going on Conor McGregor. Yes. And whether that's a value play or they're just people don't want to see Floyd win or people actually think that Conor McGregor has a chance, I have no idea. But the line now, Conor McGregor's getting plus 75, Floyd's down to minus 550. Well, I saw so, one of the one of the best value bets that they had was a Floyd Mayweather knockout because he hasn't knocked anyone out in like three or four right. years. It was like minus one fifty, yep. which is you know obviously that's somewhere I would consider putting some money down on that and hoping McGregor can just you know ride it out for because the thing too is um, the boxing rounds are two minutes shorter than UFC rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use a heavier glove, I think. So they're using um, ten ounce gloves in this. Ten ounce. They usually use four in UFC, so it's more like a hand to the face. You know what I mean? So Correct. it hurts a lot and more. So you but know, what do they use in boxing typically? Twelve to sixteen. Yeah, they, they met in the middle. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. sure. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I think Floyd had to come down a little bit. And uh, Jay Glazer tweeted this the other day, and he said, anytime you're talking about a sport where guys are putting their hands on each other, you you just you don't know. I mean, we can sit here and talk all day. Yeah, I mean, people were saying this fight was never going to happen. And now, look, the fight's happening. So, it's a, it's a great point. And even that's the way with Conor McGregor's last fight. Yep. Everybody was saying yep. that uh, I can't even remember who he fought. Was it Diaz? I don't know. I, I don't honestly, remember. I can't remember. Oh, but I think it, it was Aldo, Jose Aldo, when he knocked yeah, him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Right. And everybody's like, oh, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor. There's no way Aldo has a chance. And then, sure enough, you get two people in the in the ring, and then shit happens. Ronda Rousey getting knocked out twice yeah. now. Or no, you're right. Just, it was Diaz that knocked Connor out. But yeah, yeah and it was, look at it's what Rousey's but, like dead now. Her career is over. Yeah, two kicks. She's an actress. A kick now. to the face. An actress. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but who knows too? You look at Holly Holm. She beat Ronda Rousey. She's like on top of the UFC world. She just won her first fight since then after losing yeah, like four kicks, in a row. So she kicks a ass the other night. It's an unpredictable sport, like you said, and career, especially in MMA, careers are short-lived. Oh, Con- um, Conor McGregor's done. I don't think he's going back to the UFC. He's in no, a cash. So uh, he's in a cash. His hundred million dollars, and say thank you. I'm 28. However old he is, I'm not getting my head beaten anymore. Appreciate you. And thank now, you. now that Dana White has the ability to cross over huge names in UFC into the boxing world. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's game over. It's going to happen all the time now where you get a big name in boxing, you get a big name in MMA, whether they're at the tail end of their careers or anything like that, that's just an instant money maker. Well, and that's the thing. You look at it's not really coincidence that, you know, this was put together and finalized pretty shortly, you know, within a couple weeks of Kennedy Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez fight being announced. And you know Floyd Mayweather does not want to take a backseat to those two because those guys – you know, Kennedy for sure would kick Floyd's ass if they fought nowadays because he never wanted he never wanted that fight. And even Alvarez would have yep. a good chance. Even I know he beat him before, but um, that was probably his one of his better fights against Alvarez. It was when closer is that fight? than something. Like, that's in September, so, September? so it's okay. literally it's literally a month later. So you know that that was all orchestrated on Floyd's 
behalf. He wanted to sneak in there, get the fight in first, and uh, take all the attention away from that, put it back on him. You know, pretty boy Floyd loves the attention. So, I right, can I- hope that um, Ice Cube doesn't give him his way. Because you know, they're, they're, I think the T-Mobile Arena is hosting the Big Three tournament on the on August twenty sixth, the championship. And Ice Cube said, "Yeah, you know, we're talking as long as they pay me the right amount of money. You know, I'll move to MGM Grand or whatever." But I kind of hope he just sticks it to him. He's like, right? you know what? I'm not moving. Screw you. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, hopefully the Big Three sounds awesome. They're coming to Chicago in July. We should think I'm about going. I'm very excited about that. Very excited. See about some that. old school ballers. All right, we're gonna switch it over to baseball now. Um, obviously the main story I would say for this year after the Cubs ended their drought last year won the World Series finally to mine and Andy's disdain um, but now they're struggling this year you know they come into today's game I think they're one game over 500 35 and 34 so you know it's been it's been a tough go of it just it kind of shows you um, you know baseball is a weird sport like that but um, you would think a, te- a World Series winning team that brings back about 80% of the roster would would be faring a little bit better right now, but um, obviously... They can't pitch, they can't hit. So yeah, that's not a good combination. Good you should be when... I mean, our, our starting pitching staff looks tired. John Lackey's done. Um, he had a and he that, had a good outing Sunday, but other than that, Jake looks overworked. Lester's been good. I think, you know, he's our workhorse. He'll, he'll continue to be good. Hendricks pitched balls out last year out of his mind. Obviously, I think he's still, he'll still be a good pitcher, but you, you can't expect what he did last year and Jake the year before to keep happening. It just Well, I'm hearing, too, that Hendricks, his injury might be more serious than was previously let on because he's been on the DL for like 10 days now, and I think they're Correct. extending it, and it, there are concerns that it could be more serious. So that, obviously, if you lose him, you know, the Cubs have been in talks all season of being looking for a pitcher at the deadline. But yeah. honestly... You know, as a Cubs fan, just winning last year, Jim, I'm sure was enough. But do you consider if, you know, say six weeks from now, they're still middling around 500? I know they're in a winnable division, but, um, you know, do you consider, like, potentially trying to sell off some assets to try and, you know, not, you know, obviously keep your core guys intact, but retool a little bit, maybe get someone like, uh, Chris Archer, who might be out there, who's a really cost control pitcher, who's young, who, you know, God, I think they have him under contract for three years. So, yes. Do you entertain like that? 10 to $15 million. I mean, he, his cost control is incredible. Um, see, it's tough because Theo's not a knee jerk reaction guy, which is, which is how we got here. He didn't, he didn't overreact. He didn't get too high. He didn't get too low. We are definitely going to need more pitching. I think, I, like I said, Lackey's done. I would be surprised if we bring Arietta back for $200 million. And you know, A, he's going to want it, and B, he's going to get it from somebody. It's just not going to be from us. If, if we could get a Chris Archer for an Eloy Jimenez and a couple other prospects, I would, I would take that deal right now. I mean, you know, people were complaining about Glyber Torres for Chapman. Then Chapman goes back to the Yankees. Well, Chapman got hurt, and Torres is having Tommy John surgery. So that right, trade yeah. really worked out for the Cubs. You need starting pitching. The whole the whole way Theo does things is he drafts hitters, and then he buys pitching. So if that's your philosophy, that's what you have to do. However, I don't think I want them touching our big league players yet. I know Schwarber is just diarrhea so far this year, but – I don't think you you give up on the guy now. Is he ultimately probably going to be an AL player, DH, first base? Probably, but 
I don't think you give up on him now. So, yes, I want them to find starting pitching. I don't want them getting rid of everyday players to do it. At, at least See, not I think, yet. I think the biggest thing with that team, and you look at that roster top to bottom, I think, like you said, Jim, last year the pitching staff, I think, overproduced what they 100%. are on paper. And that's what really took them over the edge is that pitching staff played great. Um, the hitters, I think it's just a matter of time before they get out of their funk. I mean, they, they caught a little bit of heat a couple of weeks ago that they're just too good to just stay dead bats the entire year for 162 games. Agreed. But it, it definitely has to start with the pitching staff because those guys, I mean, you don't really think about it in baseball with kind of a hangover or anything like that, but those guys pitched until November. Right. And, and you know the party continues all the way till February. Exactly. Right. Pitchers and catchers report in early February. That that's not a lot of time off. No. And those guys were pitching big innings and throwing their hearts out. Yes, agreed. Now it's like you said, they just look tired. And well, Jake Arrieta has pitched 468 innings the last two years, which is second insane. <laughs> second only to Scherzer, who. The Jesus. argument there, though, is obviously Arietta's velocity is down this year. His ERA is over four, so he's struggling. And you look at a guy like Scherzer, who, you know, he's at he's got more innings than Arietta, and he hasn't pitched as far into a postseason as him yet. So, someone like him, he's still he's still you know slinging it right now. So, I think Jake kind of just you know set himself. He set the bar way too high for himself. He had that like Cy Young type like run where he was just doing things that were, you know, no other pitcher in baseball had ever done. And now, you know, he's normalized more. People have caught on to, you know, like I said, his velocity's down, but, you know. Not he, only is his is his velocity down, but it starts going down early in the games. Like, there are games where Justin Verlander's still hitting 100 miles an hour in the seventh, eighth inning. If you look at, at the numbers for Jake, I mean, his numbers are dropping early. So it's clear he's either he's tired his mechanics are out of whack, or it's a combination of the two, which is probably what it is. And the steroids. Right. And the steroids, for sure. Well, you look at it, too. You know, the Cubs are struggling right now, and you kind of expect them to return to form. But you do look around the league, and you do have some teams that are playing really good baseball right now. I think most Houston, notably the Yankees. Houston, um, Colorado, L.A. The NL West is ridiculous this year. You got right yeah. now the Rockies, Dodgers, and Diamondbacks are all within a game of each other, and they're all. Sam Fran is um, twenty games back. Yeah, I know, right? And all those, all three of those teams amazing. are eighteen plus games above five hundred right now. Um, the Nationals started off good. Their bullpen kind of sucks, but they're going to cruise to their division. Dude, it seems their like their bullpen is dog shit. Of horrible. These teams, who do you guys think is probably got the best chance at a World Series this year? Uh, Astros. I think I was going to say Houston as well, um, only because I think the Yankees, right? Well, are we just going on out west or just, just in general, all the, of all the teams? Yeah. Okay. The Yankees are playing out of their mind right now, but I think they're like a year too early. I think they're like just, what happened. To they're kind of like how the Astros were. They're kind of how the Astros were last year to where they started playing really, really well. Their young guys were really sprouting. And then well, yeah. Kind of gonna fade well, I think you're you're through. starting to see that already. They got off that hard, hot start. They've actually mm-hmm. lost seven games in a row now. So I mean, oh, they're they're tied for first. They're still eight games over 500. But you know, they're I think they're starting to hit that 
you know, they hit that high way too early in the season. They're going to start, they're starting to level out already, but yeah, I think, I think they're a year or two away, but Houston is looking like they're the real deal as far as their hitting and their pitching goes. Everything seems to be clicking for them. And they kind of did it the same way the Cubs did with really good drafting and and scouting. And you look actually, I think it was three years ago when they, I think it's after they drafted Carlos Correa, they had a Sports Illustrated cover that said, say hello to your 2017 World Series champions. (laughs) So, you know, it seems like they're hitting it right on the head um, in regards to what everyone expected out of them. But uh, I just thought that was kind of cool that, you know, it could be a year for them, you know, who knows. Mm -hmm. But um, so, you know, we talked about the Cubs and their struggles. You know, the White Sox um, are sitting in last place in the division right now, but it's exactly where they want to be. Exactly where they want to be, especially as, you know, Sox fan. Um, They're finally have a direction chosen. They're rebuilding. Um, you know, they unloaded Chris Sale, Adam Eaton in the offseason. They got a bunch of great assets back in return. Um, you know, they're still looking to deal. Quintana, it looks like they're, uh, they just had, you know, the 11th pick in the draft. They picked a power hitting third baseman. They picked a and power hitting, already. picked a power hitting catcher last year. So it seems like they're kind of following the Cubs model a little bit. They're- of, uh, yeah, their first three picks this year were all power hitting. Right. I think they took the third baseman first, then a first baseman, and then an outfielder. But all guys that hit huge home run numbers in college. Yeah, and honestly, it this is the first time that in probably three or four years that it's like exciting to be a White Sox fan. Um, you know, they haven't made the playoffs since '08, so we're coming up on ten years next year. They're not going to make the playoffs this year or next year, but at least we kind of have a timeline now. Um, three to four years from now, we should be competing again. And, you know, hopefully as long as we have a couple more good drafts, uh, you know. And the prospects right now that are in the system are all great. I think they I think they launched up into, like, the top six farm system uh, in the MLB with just the prospects that they picked oh, up for sure. this year. I, yeah. And then – I mean, they still have assets that are going to get unloaded this year. I bet Frazier's going to go at the deadline because everybody's looking for a bat at at the deadline. Um, I wouldn't be surprised no, to see him go for some good prospects. Uh, Quintana, I think Han's going to wait until he starts pitching well again because people are going to try and buy low on him. But Han knows what he has in Quintana, so I don't think he's going to deal for anything less than what he sees him as value right i mean when i jimmy you mentioned earlier that glaber torres having tommy john surgery so he's gonna be um uh out for the rest of the season the first thing i thought of was like dear god please just let todd frazier play good baseball for the next five (laughs) weeks because so they can go to the yankees you know teams like that are gonna need (laughs) to add a bat you know to to keep um to keep competitive you know because boston has a good roster um agreed and how you know, is how's Baltimore doing? Are they are they in it still or not? They're really? they're sucking right now. Um, okay. you know, they're they're a game under five hundred, but they've been struggling all year. They're they lost three or four to the yeah. Sox, they're they're so. tied tied <laughs> oh, for last. Look at this though. The Sox are in last place in their division, but they're a plus four run differential on the year. Uh, three God. teams ahead of them are all like nine negative thirteen, negative thirty one, negative forty four. They're still scarily playing good enough baseball to where I want them to keep playing worse. Like, they have streaks of, I don't want to call it greatness, but I guess mediocrity to where they can go out and win some 50-50 ball games. I want them to lose. I want them to get killed. Like, 
them hanging around that mediocrity level is scary to me as far as like getting top 10 draft picks and things like that. I, I, I hope they crash and burn this yes, year. You, to be completely you don't honest. want them to be the bulls of the last couple of years and <laughs> exactly. foreseeably you, you the need, future. You want them to burn it down, start over and be good. I read a really good article and I couldn't even, I can't even tell you where it came from. Uh, but they were just talking about how, the difference between the tenth pick in an MLB draft and then like a top three pick in the MLB draft is huge, to where those guys are almost for sure locks to be in the majors within two to three years. Whereas a ten through fifteen pick, those guys are going to take. Granted, it's still a top fifteen pick, and the MLB draft is huge. Right, right. But those guys are going to take closer to four, maybe five years to develop in the minors. And they're not for sure things. So I want them down at the bottom. I want them to keep getting top five picks. I mean, 11 was a great spot, but they can always do worse. True. Yes, they can. All right. So I'm going to move on to the next. We're, uh, we're still working on our time here, but um, we want to do what are, we, what are you doing? You guys just want to jump into that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we've got some segments planned out. You know, that's kind of how we're going to do the show. We've got a list of topics we want to talk about, and then we got some segments. So uh, first segment we're doing is What Are You Doing?, which comes from an awesome sound clip of Stacey King. I don't even know how long ago that was, but um, it's hilarious. It's so so basically what we're doing is uh, we pick, you know, it's anybody from – you know, any any aspect, sports, entertainment, anything, uh, where they made a questionable decision um, or they said something really stupid, um, you know, stuff like that. So just jump right into it. Uh, you want me to get it started, gentlemen? Have at it, bro. It. All right. My what are you doing goes out to ESPN known as the worldwide leader in sports, which is starting to seem less and less um, prevalent each day. So you guys know they've been doing a bunch of layoffs recently. Um, They've gotten rid of top contributors in the NBA, like Mark Stein, Chad Ford. Uh, In MLB, they got rid of Jason Stark, who's probably one of the best MLB reporters out there. They basically have hockey a big fuck you by firing Pierre LeBron, Scott Burnside, um, Love those guys. Right? And the one that was, like, most heartbreaking was when John Clayton got let go, who (laughs) everyone loves John Clayton. He had definitely the greatest This Is Sports Center commercial of all time when he finishes a segment, he's got his Slayer shirt on, turns the music on, the ponytail. ponytail. That was was incredible. Mom, I'm (laughs) done with my segment. Oh, it's so funny. That was incredible. And amongst that – most notably, I and I texted you when when they announced this one too. I was like really shocked when they announced that they were um, firing Ed Werder, who's a great NFL yeah. reporter, probably one of their most recognizable you know NFL reporters. Um, and then I saw this article on uh, awfulannouncing.com that said uh, six weeks after being fired from ESPN, uh, Ed Werder was given the. Pro Football Writer Association's Dick McCann Award. Uh, the distinction is given annually to a reporter who has made a long and distinguished contribution to pro football through coverage. Uh, Werder covered ESPN for 17 years. Uh, 
Yes, clap it up, gentlemen. Well, well, well done, ESPN. <laughs> he was a reporter with ESPN for 17 years, and you know, like I said, he was probably their most recognizable, you know, one of their most recognizable NFL guys. And then you just look at the stuff that they are doing right now. It's you know, they continue to try and shove like Sports Center the six down your throat in this super desperate like attempt to reach the younger generation. It just fails so miserably. It's, it's like cringeworthy to watch, and then first take is like the most insufferable two hours of television that's out there so you know for me my what are you doing goes out to espn this week what are you doing um uh launching into my what are you doing uh it comes from this weekend's u.s open uh we had brooks kepka pretty much went out there and played his ass off and nobody really had a chance with that final round goes out and shoots a 66 look great doing uh, it too. yeah absolutely guys just hits the ball a mile shredded from head to toe looks like a yeah, linebacker dude his physical appearance and how well he got yeah, i was i was exactly. pretty impressed <laughs> anyway he's walking off the green after he just wins the biggest tournament of his life first major everything like that he goes and hugs his trainer and then right next to him is a smoke show of a girlfriend that Joe Buck proceeds to explain who she is. And he goes on to say that this is Becky Edwards, an all-American soccer player from Florida State. And I think everybody was thinking, like, wow, what a power couple, like freak athlete hooking up with a cute little soccer player from Florida State. And then a few few minutes go by they're walking off they're showing brooks kepka walking into signing scorecard everything like that and then somebody else chimed in on the broadcast and said uh, that's not becky edwards that's actually his old girlfriend and that girl that you just showed is actress slash model jenna sims so joe buck just really messing up on <laughs> national airwaves I thought the funniest thing that I saw about it, I right when that sound clip happened, they said that he messed up. I was like, oh my God, give me Twitter. I need everything flooding in about this little sound <laughs> clip right now. And the best thing that I saw, and it's because Jim Nance does the Masters, and I think he does also the PGA. Um, it was the gif of Jim Nance from How I Met Your Mother, where he stands up and he's with Barney Stinson. Yeah, he, he just he gets so mad. And everything oh, it's like so funny. That. I, I lost it, and all the clips of Jim Nance just rolling over in his grave about Joe Buck messing up something as simple as that, just a simple fact check would have done. So my what are you doing goes out to Joe Buck for messing up who Brooks Kepka's girlfriend is. What are you so, doing? Jimmy, before, I, uh, before I send it over to you, do you guys want to hear some of the parts that this uh, Jenna Sims has played in previous films? Oh, I would love I, to. I looked at this, actually. Okay. Absolutely love <clears throat> Give me a second here. Hot girl. <laughs> Club goer. Beautiful woman, number one. Guantanamo babe. Oh, that's creative. That's pretty good, Is that right? a Tarantino movie? Hold on. Here's the best one. Hooker, number two. Oh, man. Couldn't even make hooker number Couldn't one. Couldn't even get the top spot. Apparently, she's starring in the new Sharknado 5. 
That's oh, when wow. is what I heard. When you made it. She's already started. <laughs> yep, she's exactly. already been in uh, three-headed shark attack as Dr. Laura <laughs> Thomas. So uh, maybe they'll... Yeah, at least she's getting a name now. Exactly. All right, Jimmy, I'm sending it over to you now. <laughs> All right. So um, about as well as Fox Sports covers golf, you could uh, argue that Dan Gilbert runs a team even worse. Um, so let's rewind a little bit 2010 dan gilbert writes a letter in comic sans we'll get to that later uh it's a great font by the way top five font of all time i would say i do have to agree with you but we'll get back to that later um and he guarantees they'll win a title before lebron does for the record um they went 97 and 215 while lebron was utilizing his talents in south beach and winning two titles with the heat so fast forward now 2014 for whatever reason, LeBron decides to come back to the land. They get to the finals uh, right away. I think they were 20 games better that year than the year before. They lose, but they come back the year after, which was last year, come back from 3-1, to one, win, and then they lose again this year. So you're Dan Gilbert. You were nothing. I mean, you live in Cleveland. You're the laughing stock of the NBA for four years. Now you get LeBron back. And knowing he can opt out next year, you fail to re-sign the GM he both likes and respects. And not only does he do that, but he releases the statement in Comic Sans. He releases a statement about <laughs> David Griffin not coming back in, comments, in Comic Sans. Like, are you saying fuck you to LeBron or fuck you to the people Dude, in the media? Like, what, I think he just doesn't you... know how to change his font on his computer. Well, that is also a, a very good point. Or maybe maybe he's got an Android phone because I know on Android you can switch your your font to Comic Sans. So maybe he's just typing all this stuff from his Android Dude, if, phone. Dude, if 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 the owner of a professional sports team is releasing statements via his Android phone, I don't I don't even know how to how to go on from that. But anyways, it kind of looks it kind of looks like he's throwing up away messages on uh, AOL Instant Messenger back in yes. the day. BRB. Just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now he set himself his team and the city up to lose LeBron again, except this time it's solely his fault. So congrats, Dan Gilbert, while trying to make the case for being the biggest man in the room, despite being literally and figuratively incorrect, you've most likely managed to lose a once in a generation player twice. Idiot. (laughs) And that's my, what are you doing for Dan Gilbert? What are you doing? Very nicely done. All right. We're going to move on to our next segment, which is, King of the world. I'm the king of the world! Which is basically pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, we all picked somebody that uh, currently is at the top of their game right now, whatever it is that they do, and uh, we wish we could be them. So, king of the world, Andy, I'm throwing it over to you first. All right, I'm sticking on the uh, golf theme here. Uh, Right now, I am pretty goddamn jealous of Ricky Fowler. He is arguably uh, the most popular player on tour, maybe maybe minus Phil. Um, obviously, there's no Tiger Woods around anymore, so he has grasped the, the younger culture of golf, um, gets the little kids dressed up in the bright colors. He's obviously going out there and playing great golf. I think he's number nine in the world right now. He's right there in every major. Um, 
unfortunately couldn't seal anything off this weekend with the U.S. Open, but he was right there in contention on Sunday. Um, he's just a likable guy, and he's really doing wonders for the sport. Um, he goes out, and he's part of the spring break boys with Justin Thomas and Smiley Kaufman and Jordan Spieth. I mean, those guys go out for an entire week. They go play golf in their bathing suits barefoot. They're hanging out with smoking hot chicks all the time, which leads me to my next point. Ricky Fowler, most famously for the Ryder Cup picture with everyone kissing their wives and girlfriends and everything like that, given the big shrug it's the right best. in the middle of it's it. It's the best yeah, picture. One of it's the best so pictures funny. ever. It's great. Uh, Rick, Ricky now, I believe the hashtag was Ricky found a chick. And... Um, he is now dating Allison Stoke, which is a she was a pole vaulter in the 2008 Olympics, I believe. Um, but again, a smoke show of a girlfriend. Looks like he finally settled down for a little bit to where he's willing to flaunt her out in public. Again, playing great golf. He's he's well on his way to winning multiple majors in his career. At least I think he's got the game for it. He's doing great things for golf, so he is my uh, king of the world for me and very jealous of him. Very nice. Jimmy? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you guys some things, and I want you to tell me who I am. 2013, College Player of the Year. 2014, Minor League Player of the Year. 2015, National League Rookie of the Year. 2016, National League MVP and World Series Champion. Who am I? Well, I mean, I can see the spreadsheet that we have open with our topic choices, so I know that you're Chris Bryant. That that was. If he was Daryl Strawberry, he would assuredly (laughs) mention something about having sex in the dugout during a baseball game. I was uh, I was trying to keep one of the secrets of the biz like under wraps before you expose. We have a spreadsheet going over, you know, yeah, how go, we're yeah. how we're talking and what we're doing. Hey, That's we're what... we're an open book here. We don't keep any secrets from our <laughs> listeners. So yes, uh, Chris Bryant. I he was on um, Bernstein and Goff a couple weeks ago, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly. They asked him, you know, what was the biggest struggle or the biggest hardship you faced so far in your career, and he. Not cocky, not arrogant, very nonchalantly and confidently said, I haven't faced one yet. And when he got off the air, they kind of talked about it like, he's right. Like, he's not He's not even being a jerk. He's he's right. The guy just, I mean. Yeah, I mean, he's totally like, batting 200 the last month with a pretty high strikeout rate. So maybe he's starting to enter that. I know, I'm just kidding. He's awesome. <laughs> no, I'm so jealous. Plus, he wears my favorite number, which pisses me off. I've been waiting for a good 17 in Chicago, and then Alshon left, and now it's just Chris Bryant. It's funny you say that because I actually had that written down to, to talk about, and he just seems like a likable guy. Like He he, he just seems – I mean, I didn't know this until he celebrated the World Series. He's never drank in his life. He, he had his first beer or champagne or whatever he had <sighs> during the World Series. And did he hold it down, or did he Kevin Durant it and spit the whole oh, thing out of the ground? He did not Kevin Durant <laughs> it. No. Um, and you know, you'd think like, oh, God, like what a dork. But you look at him, and you can't call a guy like that a dork. So, I, I, I've actually had people come up and be like, oh, like you kind of look like Chris Bryant. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's got pretty eyes. He's still got a little bit of pimples. I'm, I'm over that phase in my life. But man, to be, to be that guy. I mean, you're, you're sitting on 
you know, knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt. He's going to have a $400 million deal to play with the Chicago Cubs for the rest of his life. I mean, it's – how could you not want to be Or the him? Yankees. I mean, he's definitely on a Hall of Fame trajectory right now. You know, no doubt about it. He's definitely one of the best players in baseball, too. There's no arguing. But, yeah, I mean, I can't – can you imagine? I mean, he made the final out, which clinched the first World Series and for the, the Cubs in a hundred. That's face. like honestly, I I I love that picture because that shows that like he truly has a joy for the sport that he plays. You know, it's not he, you know, he really does. That, that's a that's a very good point, Pat. Why don't we uh, send it over to you and you tell us all right. who your king of the world is? Well, I promised at the start of this podcast that we wouldn't just talk about sports. And so far, we have not lived up to that at all. We've talked entirely sports (laughs) the whole time. So I'm going to switch the style up a little bit. My king of the world is Donald Glover. You guys fans of Donald Glover? Oh, yeah. yeah. Getting too old for this shit. That's that's Danny Danny Glover. Glover. Come on now. My fault. My fault. Still (laughs) awesome, but (laughs) My bad. Alyssa does the same thing every time. She's always like, is that Danny Glover's son? I'm like, nah, he's his own man. But anyway, Donald Glover. Dude is an entertainment Swiss army knife, all right? He writes, produces, raps, acts, sings, directs. He's on fire right now. Everything he touches turns to gold. Um, You know, it kind of took him a little bit to get to this point. He was on Community for a little bit, and he left. Um, But now, fresh off, Derek Derek Comedy Comedy was hilarious. Bro Rape and uh, the Tiger Woods video. Like, I remember seeing those like seven years ago before he was anything and just laughing my ass off because it was so funny. Yep. But fresh off of uh, two Emmys for Atlanta, which critics loved, and it's I'm not quite done with it yet, but it's a pretty good show. It's hilarious. Um, he it's really he good. recently landed the lead role to play Simba in the upcoming live, I guess, live CGI adaptation of The Lion oh, King. Oh, that's awesome. Which is directed by John Favreau, who did an awesome job with The Jungle Book. Um, this, and Iron Man. Yeah, and Iron Man. And this is in addition to already having a role in Spider-Man Homecoming, um, which has been mysteriously kept under wraps, meaning it's probably an important character. Also, I believe it's pronounced Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Okay, like Phil Spider-Man? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and on top of that, he's also slated to star alongside Alden Ehrenreich's Han Solo as a young Lando Calrissian in the upcoming Star Wars oh, Han wow. Solo anthology movie, which actually received some bad news today, which I'm going to talk about in our next segment. But um, but anyway, so that's what he's doing on screen. When he's not on screen, he's dominating stages across the U.S. as Childish Gambino. Which uh, little fun fact? He, came, he said he came up with that name using a Wu Tang Wu Tang Clan rap name generator. Wait, which he's is like childish Gambino. Donald Glover is childish Gambino. The more you so, know. So he, you know, he came out with his newest album, "Awaken My Love," which his first two albums were rap, and I thought he was pretty clever um, with his lyrics. But this was Apple Music describes it as an eye popping soul riot and a slow burning triumph. It's funky. I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) I listened to it. I didn't really get it, but he is being considered for Grammys, they said. Um, Redbone is the hottest song. I do like that That song. song It's not bad. It does, for sure. But recently at a uh, festival, he sent shockwaves through the crowd. He announced, he ended his show. He said, I love you all. I'll see you for the final Gambino album. So. It seems that he's ready to retire his childish Gambino alter ego, but, I mean, can you really blame the dude? 
Childish Gambino might be coming to an end, but Donald Glover's on the rise. And I saved the best for last. It was announced recently that Glover is going to be bringing an adult animated Deadpool TV show to FFX in 2018. Oh, yeah. Yes. The Merc with the Mouth could not be be in better hands. Uh, he'll probably be voicing. I think all I know right now is he's in talks to you know he's in creative control and he's directing. I can't imagine he would do it and not voice as well. Um, good point. Good point. But oh yeah, because his his show Atlanta's on FX, correct? Exactly. So I'm sure he's got yep. a good deal in place with them. So Donald Glover, you're awesome, and you are my king of the world for this week. And then that sends us to our final segment of our debut episode on the Bros Let's Talk podcast, which is Wild Card. Wild Card, bitches! Which is basically, we can just bring up any anything that we want to talk about, and none of us know ahead of time what the other person is bringing up. So we're just kind of try and react and go from there. So, Jimmy, I'm going to throw it over to you first. All right, so... I don't know if I remember if I said this at the beginning or not, but I am a teacher. So over the course of the summer months, I get Sundays to Sunday, Sunday to Sundays off. So every day is like a Saturday to me. So this past Saturday, I color coordinated my closet going in, in, in rainbow order. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, I got I got nothing for you, Jim. I I can't believe you did that. Well, that's better than most of the reactions I've gotten when I've told people I color-coordinated my closet, according to Roy G. Biff. Pat, you lived with me for 15 years, so I'm sure you have a little bit more insight in things I mean, say. it's impressive. That's more work than I ever saw you put into your wardrobe when you were living at home. Not to say that that's you don't true. have good style, but it was just kind of, we had the room that we had, and that's what we worked with. I got to say, you might be an innovator here, you know, color-coordinating. I... We all kind of do our own ways of doing those kind of things. You know, I have my closet coordinated in a specific, like, order with how my shirts are in there. But uh, it really would kind of take the thought out of you. just look and you see the whole color spectrum right in front of you. You don't even have to think. You're just like, oh, I'm wearing khaki pants. Here's a blue shirt. Boom. Good to go. So do you go down the rainbow then? Well, I don't, I don't have an order to the shirts that I wear. I just have them color coordinated, number one, because it's very visually appealing to look at every morning when I wake up and see my beautiful organized <laughs> closet. Number two. I'm going I'm to need a picture of this, by the way. Oh, I have three of them on my phone. I'll send them to you when we're done. All right, perfect. <laughs> um, number two, I don't really think I have a number two. I just did it because I like to look at it. Um, but no, I do not go down in order. I don't. I, I was thought about numbering my shirts and my hangers. Jesus Christ. But I thought that was a little too far. Um, Sarah was giving me some weird looks, so I just stopped with the color coordination and went on with my Saturday night in bed watching Golden Girls. It was fantastic. (laughs) A lot of brutal honesty coming from Jimmy's corner of the conversation. So (laughs) That's for sure. Hopefully our fans appreciate the transparency there, Jim. I hope so. I'm just I'm trying to do it for you guys. Like you said, Pat, we are open books here. Pat, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us what your wild card is? All right, well, let's see. I got a couple different things that I saw pop up that I thought uh, were worth mentioning. So this was the f- the first one that I... Jimmy, oh, man. 
Yeah, I don't know if it can Sorry. live up. Go on, Pat. This is nothing personal <laughs> like uh, Jimmy's, but this is a interesting article I found in the Huffington Post that I thought was, which isn't always the best news source, but um, the title of the article is Democrat- Democratic Lawmaker Blames Friend for All the Porn Tabs He Accidentally Shared. So, Dem- <laughs> Democratic Lawmaker in Rhode Island says that all the pornographic browser tabs aren't his. Ramon Perez, who was elected to the state's House of Representatives last year, distributed a printout of a Wikipedia article during his testimony last week. However, the file was actually a screenshot that not showed that showed not only the article, but also numerous browser tabs open to pages with explicit titles. Two contained the word teen, while one had the word young. <laughs> oh, boy. The, <laughs> yes. the screenshot showed only the titles of the other pages that were open not pornographic images or videos perez responded um with this statement a friend sent me that picture with the information i was looking for he was quoted as saying i used that picture to make copies i didn't see the stuff at the top he wouldn't name the friend okay so obviously this is a lot to take in anyway i mean this is they said it's a he's a freshman rep so he's fresh into the house it's his first term Right, he's sending a document that is going to be used in accordance to a bill that they're trying to get passed. <laughs> you would think whether he got it from a friend, which, by the way, total dick move, just trying to throw someone random under the bus. It's like oh, you yeah. know this situation. Always, always have a fall. You gotta guy. save face, but I mean, it's just like, <laughs> come on, dude. But anyway, you think so, he would wait, double can, check? Can you can you repeat that again? I'm sorry. He he was sending a document. It was a document used in creating a bill. It was a document that had information. It says on the Puerto Rico Automobile Accident Administration, and they were going to use it. He got it from Wikipedia. Got it from. First of all, he's using Wikipedia to try and, you know, get information added to a bill. So there's, you know, your first mistake. Anyone could edit Wikipedia. But dude, how do you not realize that there's porn tabs? This is why our country is just. Awesome. So that's one. Then I'm going to bring up this other one because I think there's a little bit of a, there could be a little bit of a, a rooting interest here for Andy. So, okay, this article is titled Green Bay Fanatic Marries Woman Named Marie Packer in Team Themed Wedding. Okay. <laughs> On top of that, Ryan Holton Murphy, who's the man, said it was a no brainer to take his wife's last name. We're the Packer family now, he probably told ABC News. And this guy, they got married in Chicago, which kind of sucks. You know, it's all this Packers-themed stuff. This douche had, like, a Packers suit that he put on after, like, the ceremony and everything and danced around in this stupid-ass Packers suit. Andy, how do you feel about this? I know you're a Packers fan. Would you ever do something so ridiculous? All right, first off, no, absolutely not. Um if if I'm marrying somebody that would agree to something like that, I got bigger problems than where or what I'm wearing. Um, Truth? There is, there is no chance in hell that I'm wearing anything Packer-related, anything Blackhawks-related, anything White Sox-related, anything like that. These The people that go all out for these weddings, like... It, they're a, they're a special breed. I'll just leave it at that. It's a very kind way to put it. Exactly. Um, there's just 
there's no other way to really describe those people. They're, they're a little bit special. Um, and they, they feel the need to go all out. Um, this guy clearly, I'm okay. Question back at you then. Do you think he sought out this woman because her last name was Packer? It says in the article that they met at a karaoke bar in Madison, Wisconsin. And when he first met her, she said her name. He didn't believe her. He made her show two forms of identification and a credit card, which is a little creepy to start. You know, I'm like, he was just checking to make sure she was 18. (laughs) Maybe you're right. It's a pro move. Although it says they just got married. He's 41. She's 38. So she must look pretty good if he was checking to see if she was only 18. (laughs) But yeah, I, so that's that's the question then. Like they met in this karaoke bar, and at least personally, I think this guy was like, "I'm a hundred percent marrying this girl. I don't care what right? it takes. I'm going to be the biggest asshole, best boyfriend in the world, so that I can marry this girl, take her name, and then be an even bigger asshole, get married in a Packer suit, and change my last name to Packer, and claim that you're the Packer family, right? Big ass. Oh yeah, and he's yeah. Got, he had like signs and like a mailbox at their wedding that said like the Packers or whatever. So and God and to damn. be honest, this guy his name was Ryan Holton Murphy hyphenated. So I mean, hyphenated names kind of suck in my opinion. He's one of those guys, huh? and and that's like a really shitty hyphenated name, Holton Murphy. I mean, Holton that Murphy, just yeah. sucks balls. So. This dude sounds like a guy. Who but gets listen to this; it gets worse. Round and goes from team to team in the NFL for eight. <laughs> totally, years. but it gets worse. So he changed his name. So now his official full name is Ryan Holton Murphy, one word middle name Packer. So he's essentially keeping all three of his last names still. I hate this guy. Right, oh and he's a God. goddamn disgrace. This guy sucks. Names. Although. He probably fits right in in the middle of Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. So. And I'm going to throw one True. more thing in there before I send it over to you, Andy. This is just a tidbit, but I saw earlier that Daniel Day-Lewis is retiring from acting after his next movie comes out. Too. A little bit of a sad weird day. One. I guess when I don't you're know a, if I believe it. a method actor like he is, you can only do that for, like, how many times can you live in the middle of the wilderness without showering? And using your bare hands and, and rope and sticks to kill animals for playing the fourth lead in a in a Martin Scorsese film. Like I don't how many times can you do that? So I'm not I'm sad. I'm not I'm not surprised. He is sixty, I'll, so it's not like crazy, you know. He's got probably got like yeah. hundreds of million dollars in the bank, so he just wants to go enjoy himself. I'll believe it when I see it, to be completely honest. What if Daniel Day-Lewis says that, and then as the ultimate method acting experiment, he completely transforms himself into another person, comes into the acting scene, starts starring in a bunch of movies, kind of like Mike Myers. Did you guys see that new gong show that's coming out? It's got that weird-looking host. It's Mike Myers. It looks like Mike Myers. It's Mike Myers Myers. dressed up like this dude. So (laughs) Daniel Day-Lewis is going to pull like the ultimate method acting experiment completely reinvent himself as another person no one's going to know him he's going to win an oscar and then when he wins the oscar he's going to like reveal himself and i like you it know, dude th- that's when you know it. that your career is going on the crap like hey mike myers we can't find someone to do this show also we're going to put you in disguise because no one likes you <laughs> so sorry and he's nice. like no i have nothing else so i'll just do it all right andy what do you got for wild card all right, my wild card is uh, in relation to Shark Week, which is coming up in a little bit. Um, 
personally, I think it's the most overrated thing in the world. I agree, hundred um, percent. Kind of sucks. I, I've never been a shark Shark Week person. People, it was honestly, it, it was cooler before it turned into this huge thing when they would actually just have like shows about sharks, like and facts about right. sharks. Now it's just like sharks Agreed. eating stuff and yeah. Anyway, um, during Shark Week this year. Uh, the big stunt is that Michael Phelps is going to be racing a great white shark. And what? I think we talked about this earlier. And it's the same thing as what was I can't even Chad remember. Chad Johnson raced Beast. a horse. Right, exactly. They had that show back oh, in man vs. Beast. Uh, Spike. Dude, yeah, man there's Beast some hilarious. versus a horse. And, they like, had a sumo wrestler um, play tug of war with an orangutan. Right. It just, it's I want to see Mike, Tyce, Mike Tyson box a gorilla. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's such a ridiculous stunt. Um, I didn't think that Michael Phelps had to stoop that low. Um, to pull right? something like, like this. Are you that bored? Honestly, yeah, exactly. here, here's the way I look at it, right? Michael Phelps is like one of the most recognizable athletic names in U.S. history, without a doubt. He's got the most gold medals. He's a decorated Olympic champion. Swimmers don't get paid shit. They make nothing compared to like what a lot of athletes make. You know, his endorsements, he kind of went through some rocky times when he got caught smoking that bong and all that stuff, but... I feel like this is all just a money thing. You know, it's like he's trying to cash in on a check and, and there's so many questions as how this is going to even happen. It's, it's, like it's kind of mind blowing. Like what if the shark doesn't swim? Like what if it just <laughs> floats and just like. Well, wh- where are they going to do it? That's my biggest question is how are they going to set like, this up? If, if the shark jumps the lane and eats him, like <laughs> how crazy would that be? It's stunt. It's so ridiculous. All those stats about great whites being able to sh- I don't even know. I mean, you literally have to have like a hundred like foot, thirty or forty miles an hour, or something like yeah. that. Like, why would Phelps' Phelps' top stunt. speed was like six miles an hour or something when he races? Yeah. It's like it's not even close. Fucking stupid. So anyway, that's my wild card. This is a stupid fucking thing for a stupid fucking week, and I'm over it. I'm done with Shark Week. Too old done. for this shit. <laughs> Well, we're done with Shark Week, but unfortunately, Shark Week's still going to come around, and everyone's going to get really yeah. excited about it, and it is what it is, I guess. All right, well, that's our show. Hope you guys like it. You know, We're going to keep coming out with them no matter what, but it'd be better if you liked it than if you didn't like it. So uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff planned for future episodes, more segment ideas we're going to introduce. we got a, a monthly video challenge that we're excited about that we're going to start up probably next month. Um, just do us a quick favor, follow us across our social media platforms, uh, Twitter, our shows at, at bros, let's talk Facebook search bros, let's talk, or there's a direct link on our Twitter page and you can listen to all our episodes at soundcloud.com slash BLT dash podcast. Um, if you guys want to follow me, I'm at P or I'm at get riled up or at riled up. I don't even know my own Twitter handle now. Man, swinging up. At riled up 17. I don't even know if my Andy, my. what are you at? At Andy Bob 17. And I am at Jimmy Riley underscore. So for Andy and Jimmy, this is Pat signing out. Till next week. Later, bros. Bye, guys. Thanks.
anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. I just like the simple things.